Hello and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well as gentleman farmer and snappy dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach who's worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. Seth, how you doing? I'm doing okay, Ken. I'm I'm a little tired, as I said last time. I think when when we talked, which is just probably the the state of things right now. Yeah, we have a puppy, so yeah. you know, there's that. Uh, <laughs> and you know, there's a lot going on. Um, it's fun to do this podcast, and as I'm sure you're feeling, like, and it's an added thing, right? So the, one of the things that I think about in any kind of work environment is like when we add things in, we're adding things in. We're usually not taking things off the table. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we both, to your point, we both have full-time gigs, right? To pay the bills, keep the lights on, keep us off the streets, out right. of trouble. Um, and this is this additional thing. And, and But what I found, I did want to share this with you, is, you know, I always leave thinking about our conversation, thinking ahead to the next conversation. Mm. And it is additive, but... I went, you know, I went home after last one, after talking about story, what's the story, went into the, you know, my next set of conversations talking about story. And I really just, I've appreciated that it's, I think this is not sharpening the focus, but highlighting, shining a light on that, that focus. Yeah, I think, great. I think that's, and I think that that's important, you know, thinking about, thinking about how, how you come out of these places and how mm. you think about these things, you know, you you really, these are things you need to talk about. And as a leader, yeah. you do talk about it with your teams, but this is sort of more general. And, you know, I, when, I, when I started doing the work, I do uh, leadership, communication, executive coaching, this idea of like, what is the, the fundamental assumptions that we could bring to the table to make communication more human and, and connection more profound, relationships deeper, more trust, right? What could we do? That, I love talking about those things, and I love that I, you know, have a job where I can do that. And I yeah. think it's great to have this forum where you and I can have this conversation. Well, and I think as, you know, leaders, aspiring leaders, whether you lead a big team, small team, whatever it is, or as an individual contributor really acting as a leader, I think the important thing is being deliberate about these these things. Right, right. So thinking just in the audience-wise, you know, the— we, we listen to a lot of podcasts, but, like, you know, I think a really, in my mind, a really good podcast is like a dialogue. Mm. You know, I think not just a dialogue between two people on the podcast, right, between you and me, but also a conversation with the audience member. And I, I hope that that's what people are feeling when they're listening. Um, speaking of which, so I, I also, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts as well and consume content, which is one of the reasons I was so excited to, you know, work with you on this, actually create mm. some of that content. But... Anyway, I was listening to Freakonomics Radio and Stephen Dubner, uh, co-author of the book Freakonomics, but he he talked about he actually doesn't like the, uh, the kind of the nomenclature of soft skills and hard skills. And I was thinking about this because a lot of what we talk about, I would say these these are leadership, you know, quote unquote soft skills. People would say. Because soft skills, it's like, you know, hard skills, we think about the technical, hmm. right? Uh, the technical capacity, capability, experience, 
and soft skills would be the opposite of hard skills, but no, he actually reframed it into um, hard skills and human skills, which I like. Because these are the yeah. things, and we talk about you know being more or bringing um, the human back to work, and I like that framework of these are really the you know what's it take to lead other humans? Can we can we just unpack that a little bit? Because mm. there's a thing that's going to lead us into our topic today. Um, so what he's doing in that moment is he's taking language, and he's recognizing that what, what it, I'm going to say is was initially a really good way of talking about mm. these two different types of skills, mm. right? It's like saying, you know, um, are you weightlifting or are you doing yoga? There, right. you know, there's like two different things, right? right? But the problem is, is that the concept of soft has a connotation within business yeah. and like, don't be so soft right. or this person's too soft or this. And so it became it, those the the soft skills and the softness of certain individuals became synonymous. Mm. You know, oh, you know, he's got good soft skills, but he's too soft. Right. Right. Like, right. so what he's doing in that moment is he's taking the word and he's keeping the concept, but he's changing the language. And we can do this sometimes to understand a little bit about more about what are we trying to get closer to the concept that we're trying to, to articulate. Yeah, and I do think that, you know, so much of this leading an organization, we've talked about, you know, how do you build bridges and relationships and moments where you can connect, right, with one another to get the best out yeah. of or to improve the outcomes. And which it does sort of lead into to today's Well this let me explain what I'm saying. So yeah. the, the sorry not sorry. Yeah. Right? Which is our topic for today. Sorry not sorry. Sorry is just a word, right? But the concept behind the word, the things that intention, what we're trying to do, that changes all the time. Well, and I think this is going to be, I was thinking about this on the way in because I said this is going to be maybe our most controversial episode, yeah. you know, that we talk about yeah. because I, I hinted at this the last time. I have told my team, you'll never hear me, with, with some exceptions, and I'll explain the exceptions, but you'll never hear me apologize at work. Right. Because it's not a useful thing to do. Now, that's not to, to be say, clear. It's not because you never make a mistake. No, no, <laughs> that's absolutely true. And there are things I will absolutely apologize for. I mean, if I spilt my tea on your, you know, your lap as I was, you know, passing by, or if I am late to a meeting, right? That's a personal, you know, a failing that I, I obviously I am sorry because I don't want to waste people's time. Uh, and I want them to understand that I prioritize their time. What I mean when I say you'll never hear me apologize at work that apologies aren't useful is, you know, I've been in project meetings, for example, and there's a late deliverable or the work was more complex than was expected or there's a new risk that came up. Starting with I'm sorry, and I've, I've had development managers, I had leaders on my team do this, like, oh, I'm sorry that, you know, we didn't make that deadline. Mm. Two things about that. One, so what? It's not useful. It's not going to help us resolve to identify the issue, to understand what we need to move forward. Um, it's just not useful time. It's mm -hmm. not useful energy. And the second thing, and this is where it actually can be even toxic to start with I'm sorry, to lead with I'm sorry in those situations, is you're setting yourself up. It's an us and them 
instead of a one-team success, mm. right? What I mean by that? Well, you know, let's say you're working with the sales organization on a new product launch and you're part of R&D or you're part of the software team in development. I'm sorry, suddenly you're holding up your hand and let's start with blame. Mm, right, no, but that's a, that's a good way of, of, of articulating what's wrong with that. Yeah. I'm sorry, right? Like, like we're, we're accepting. It's very self-centered, actually. If I say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry we didn't meet our target. Right. Well, did you do anything purposely right. to miss the target? <laughs> exactly. And that's where I really, it, it, and I think, you know, in a way, it's kind of our culture. And I was raised in the South, and I was raised, you know, kind of a, a culture of, yes, sir, no, ma'am, you know, Bless thank you. Heart. Please bless your heart. You know, please and thank you and apologies and sorry. And it's kind of this, this it's absolutely a polite thing in an interpersonal thing to acknowledge when you've done something wrong mm -hmm. or when you, you've made a mistake. But in a work setting, I just find it, like I said, not very useful. I'd rather start with, what, well, what do we know? It's actually, so I'm thinking about this, Ken, now that, now that you're talking about it in the concept from your vantage point mm -hmm. about not saying, I'm sorry for these things that, right? There's no blame. These things can happen. I think about it like, just from my vantage point, how much that steals your authority when you say I'm sorry in those moments. Because mm. you're, you're not only accepting the blame, which may seem noble, right? right? I'm accountable, I'm being accountable, but really what you're doing is you're making yourself the blame. Yes. Which diminishes your authority. And when you do that, especially if you do that in a setting like you're talking about, mm. I trust you less. Yeah. I don't trust you more. Right. That's exactly the takeaway we want to avoid is creating a conversational moment, you know, kind of a, a collaboration moment where I'm telling you to trust me less. I'm telling you that you can't have confidence in my deliverables, my team, my et cetera. Um, it's just, it's a, it's an interesting, and I think, you know, especially for like, you know, I lead IT, enterprise IT, which is often a function that collaborates with every function across the organization. Yeah, and every single function, every touches. single function touches technology these days. And you're creating you, you need, I need to create confidence that we are the you know, trusted partner that can help create those solutions. Now, this is not to say at all, that I or my team should shirk accountability when mistakes happen when you know, Challenges yeah, yeah. Let's, let's unpack that too. Like, because yeah. you're, you're. If I'm listening to this, I might be like, well, you know, aren't are you saying like, oh, it's too bad, yeah, exactly. too bad you didn't meet your goals. It's like, not to be cavalier at all, or to say that we don't, you know, uh, drive accountability, visibility, transparency. I'm saying the words "I'm sorry" do none of those things. Well, let's so let's talk about that because. You talked about the South and you talked about the things that we say. I made the joke about bless your heart. Mm. You know, what, what does that mean, by the way, when someone says bless your heart? It's backhanded. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's uh, criticism disguised as praise. Mm. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, um, I saw something about uh, uh, people who are, are gay. They'll, 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 their version of bless your heart is we like that shirt for you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, there's like there's like these phrases and these words that we use that 
they 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 mean something, but they don't mean some, the same thing in every context. Mm. So I've I've noticed, and I've done it too. We say I'm sorry in in very odd situations, mm. like um, you might say like uh, you know I just got back from visiting my dad. He's not doing well. Um, he's in he's in the hospital, and I say I'm sorry. Mm. Right, and we're just—it's like reflexive. It right? is, it's yeah. like reflexive, but like, it, like, sorry for what? It's like, not my, it's not your fault, right? Like, why am I sorry? But that's—I don't mean I'm, I'm like accountable. I mean, like, I feel bad. That's a terrible thing. I want to wish sympathize. I wish that didn't happen to you. Right. I want to sympathize with you. But that's what we say, and then we notice that there's like an expression. I'm sorry. Um, I notice this a lot with. Uh, with women, will do this a lot of times in work is that they'll they'll apologize, you know, for for like um, not even like a thing that that is their fault at all. Mm. Like it'll be like uh, I, I've had people. And this is not just women. I've had people apologize to me when I've made a mistake. <laughs> I'll say, "Oh, I brought the wrong book," and the other person will be like, "I'm sorry," and I'm like, "I, I I'm the one who brought the wrong book." Like, <laughs> it's, I, not, it's really not. It's your really fault. It's really not your fault. But this is what I mean. There's like there's something being communicated, uh, either intentionally or in most cases, I think unintentionally. We don't. We're, it's un, it's it's not clear to us what we're trying to say, but we do know we're trying to say something. We're trying to reach across the gap between two people and mm-hmm. say, I, I feel something. I want to connect. I want to know that it's okay. I want to know we're safe. I want to know that like I care about this. And it becomes this all catch all, which causes a lot of issues. It does. And I think in, you know, in a lot of these settings, and I, I just, you know, that example I used about a project, you know, miss, or if, and again, if you're in sales, maybe you didn't hit your number that quarter or whatever, and start with, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I know where it comes from, it's, which is a preface to bad news. And so this is, I'm sorry you're going to have to hear this bad news. No, because bad news is news. Right. And it's new information that, this is the part where I want to skip over that part and get to what are we going to do with this information, Mm. right, and set that conversation up. I have new information. This information, you know, might not be on the positive side, but it's information that we can make decisions with. And so it's just, I should just keep coming back and saying that's not a, I've never found, I'm sorry, to be a useful way to drive to decision or to yeah. you know, create the conversation where we can process that information effectively. It's so, it's so true. It's, it, and it's interesting. I think we need to talk about this a little bit more because it is hard to understand. The, you're not saying don't be accountable. No, gosh. You're, you're right. You're not saying that. But you are saying there's something reflexive mm. about I'm sorry before I'm going to give you any bad news. I say I'm sorry, which makes it it sort of like does something to the whole room. It does something to the whole conversation. Am I right? Yeah. It like I said, it it, it, it creates whether you n- intend it or not. It creates puts blame in the air. It mm. puts. Um, you know, it puts the relationship, it separates, it, it creates distance in the relationship from whoever you're talking to, your team, the other team, you yeah. and the customer. Yeah. You know, if I'm sorry, it creates distance 
in the relationship rather than creating, you know, kind of connection. That's so it, that's, that's a good way of saying it. It creates distance. It creates a disconnect. Something is going on. It's hard to actually, it's hard to actually meet each other in that moment. Right. You know, there, there's, there was a, um, a workshop I went, a week-long workshop I went to uh, years ago by this improv teacher named Keith Johnstone. And Keith Johnstone's like a ge- he's like a genius improv teacher, and he he's old. He was like in his he was in his eighties already then when I was doing it, and we were we were doing some. He set up some. He would do these uh, improv exercises, and he would ask for a volunteer, and he would tell the volunteer what to do. And this one woman got up. She's lovely actress and she was trying this improv and she got up and he told her to go in the other room and then come in and do this thing and he he started the scene she started to come in and he interrupted and said i i did the wrong i set it up wrong Mm. and she said i'm sorry and he (laughs) said he said oh no 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 don't don't apologize i set it up wrong and she said i'm sorry and he and there was this Really interesting. It's a, I'll never forget this moment. He stopped, and he he, he was. It's just a very funny old man. He grabbed his heart, and he goes, "Oh, every time you say you're you're sorry, I feel like I did something terrible." Mm-hmm. And that's the blame. Yeah. Right. But what he was what he was trying to say was, there's nothing wrong. Right, and when you say I'm sorry, when you're like taking all this yes. blame, it's as though something is wrong. Exactly, and that was the point I was making. Is is you know it creates this moment where um, you know like I just keep coming back to that blame. It comes back to somebody you know you did something wrong. No, there's new information. I set it up wrong. Mm. That's new information. Oh, okay. Well, let's process that. Let's figure mm. out what we do with that. The one I really love is when somebody walks into the room and says, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, that. Lo- I yeah, love that. Well, I, well, no, you're not because you're here. You, yeah. you interrupted. You did it on purpose. You, you, you're not going to undo that. Yeah. <laughs> Just go ahead. Like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Okay. So, yeah. So, why is that so bad? What, what, what's, what's, because that's a, that's a, why is I'm sorry to interrupt you different than excuse me for interrupting or pardon me for interrupting? What's different? The... You know, because sorry, I mean, there's sort of an intentionality. If, if somebody says I'm sorry, it's like, oh, if I had it to do over again, I would have done something different. Right? I made a mistake. That's implied. That's implied. But is that why we say it? Because I, if I'm actually apologizing for the thing I'm doing in the moment. <laughs> exactly. Right? That's not, I'm not actually sorry that I'm doing the thing. No, right? it, no excuse me for interrupting. Pardon Absolutely. me for interrupting. Pardon me for interrupting. So let's talk about what do you get? A, what are you getting away with? When you say I'm sorry, say more. Like if I come in the room, yeah. I, I knock on the door when we're t- we're in here. I knock on the door and like I'm say I'm sorry for interrupting, but but but, but I'm gonna interrupt, right? right? I'm 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 actually not sorry. No. That's one thing, right? It's it's an inappropriate use of the expression. But I also don't even seem to feel like I don't have anything like awareness. It's almost like I don't care. I'm sorry for interrupting, but I don't care if you forgive me. I don't care if you forgive <laughs> I am. I am. It's like a it's like a uh, expression that we use to shortcut having to feel responsible. Yes. If I said to you, 
pardon me for interrupting. I have to own the fact that I'm doing that. Right. If I say I'm sorry for interrupting, I'm like moved on. Yeah. I've already moved on. <laughs> right. Right? Right. It's really interesting. It's, it's such a subtlety. And I know, I mean, our listeners might be thinking, well, you guys are banging on about this for, you know, but it's such a subtlety. But it creates, you know, if there's an expectation of apologies, think about this for a moment in your own organization, wherever you are, wherever you work. Do you expect people to apologize for doing their job? Right. We have to actually talk about what a real apology is. Yeah, in I this, think so. But, like, I think that you're right. I think that the... So again, the, the teacher, Keith Johnstone, would talk about status, and it's like mm-hmm. this status game. And we're trying to, you know, we use I'm sorry as a way to, like, lower our status so we can get away with something. Mm. And it's not, it's a very weird dynamic. I don't really totally understand it, but we will do things. Like, we will be self-deprecating. We will, and all this stuff, by the way, steals your authority. If you're... If you have a habit of sarcasm, self-deprecation, or apologizing for things that you don't actually believe are true, you don't be surprised if people don't trust you, they don't think you're credible, or they don't trust your authority. If you if you are apologizing for being there, yeah. right, people are going to think you're in the wrong place. Right, right. And, I, and again, there are sincere apologies, things to apologize for that I do believe. I mean, again, if I spill my coffee on your shirt, yeah. so just go back to that test. Am I, say, am I truly saying if I had to do over again, I would make sure I didn't do that? Right. Before, Absolutely. Before we, do, before we get into that, because that's actually a thing we want to talk about. Yeah. Before we get into that, let's talk about not sorry. Mm. What, what's the thing about not being sorry that's like both empowering and also like could be damaging? Well, I think that, you know, if, you, if you're standing in yourself, so to speak, and not apologetic for this is a decision we have to make. This is a, you know, I had to decide to open the door knowing you were busy and interrupt you. Right. Right. And to your point, not starting with apologizing to get away with it, but sincerely, like, I need you, I, pardon me, I have a, which is an interesting nuance, by the way, pardon me almost sounds like I'm sorry. Right. It, it's very close, but not the same thing. Pardon me means I acknowledge that I am interrupting you. Right. Right. Um, this is important. There's a thing happening. It just occurred to me as you're describing that scenario. There's a mm-hmm. thing happening where we are oftentimes, I mean, I, maybe I'll just speak for myself. I'm recognizing it. I'm uncomfortable mm. with the emotional state that the person might, I might find the person in when I interrupt them. There are some people for whom... You know, you already know, like, it could be tricky, right? Yeah, I think, you know, and back to some of those other scenarios, I mean, you know, I think this is why why we instinctively want to apologize, right. to soften the right. moment. Right, right. Because we know that we're going to deliver, for, if we're doing something that will lead to frustration for the other party, mm. right? Interrupting you, taking you away from your task might frustrate you. Mm. Delivering bad news to a customer, to a team, to a colleague, might frustrate them, mm. right? So we're creating a moment of, there might be an emotional response here. Mm. There might be a frustrating response. There might be something. And so we're trying to soften it with that apology up front, but it doesn't really, again, constructively do anything. Doesn't do anything. That piece, like, it, it is, um, it's kind of like slippery, Mm. Right? Like it doesn't offer the person anything. This is like the I'm sorry that your dad's in the hospital kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, 
it's like a thing we say that that we're trying to convey something, but it doesn't really it's like there's also a thing we're trying to get away from. Yeah. Right? Like we're trying to get away from something. And that piece about getting slippery is makes it hard to as you said, it makes it hard to actually connect. Well and I think it if if you let yourself get away with it. Number one, you're modeling this behavior for your team. And then mm. so your team starts apologizing for delivering bad news. Mm. And if your team is deliver apologizing for delivering bad news, for whatever it is, you know, any of those scenarios we talked about, then you're taking away, in a way, you're eroding the psychological safety of your team. Yeah. You're eroding the space where it's okay to have hard conversations. It's okay yeah. to yeah. interrupt. If you believe there's something important I need to know, it's quite all right for you to inter interrupt me. Uh, I might give you feedback later that mm, that could have waited, or you could have sent an email, but that's okay too. But there's never a need. I never want to create that that expectation of, you know, accepting. Like again, if you spill coffee on my shirt, please apologize. That lets me know that you were, you know, uh, that was unintentional. And, um, but if it's a work, if it's professional, if it's if it's if it's a meeting, if it's bad news, if it's a decision, there's never an apology to be made. There's because again, that doesn't help us get to that point. Now, there's another piece about this, which is sometimes people never apologize. Mm, yeah, right? sometimes people never, never acknowledge any kind of ownership. Where you know, uh, you know, who ate who ate the last piece of cake? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. I was saving that for myself. I had a note on it, and it's like I ate it. Yeah, and, I, I guess there's also this this. Because I want to make sure, again, just to underline the point, I am not saying, I never say, God knows I say all the time, I made a mistake. Right. I screwed up. Right. But what I don't do is start with, because unless it was intentional, you know, I'm not, I'm sorry I made a mistake. No, I made a mistake with the best information available to me. I missed mm -hmm. this fact. Let's incorporate that and see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, um, a great book on this by, uh, I think it, Aaron Lazar is the, the name, and it's a book called On Apology. And there's basically uh, what they do is that they break down all of the ways that, like, what does it mean to make a real apology? What does it mean? Like, what is a real apology mm. actually about? And they talk about, you know, uh, the I'm sorry thing is, like, not actually, you know, even the spilling on the shirt, like, you could do it, like, Oh, sorry. Right. Right. Like, it's not a real apology. And what Aaron talks about in the book is really, like, breaking it down to being aware, like, recognizing, owning that you did something. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, in the, the coffee on the shirt might be one thing. The, um, let's say we, I told you I'd meet you at three and I don't show up till 3.45, mm. right? Uh, it doesn't work for me just to show up and be like, so sorry, right? Like, that's not actually enough. Right. But we do that a lot. So sorry, uh, you wouldn't believe the traffic. So sorry, I just, yeah. I totally forgot. So sorry, like, it's just a thing that, that we think is enough. Mm. And we'll do a lot of times, we'll do a lot of forgiving of that, maybe not 45 minutes, but we'll kind of like, we'll let things roll because just because we're conflict avoidant. But what this book is sort of offering is what would it be like if you really owned the thing you did? Mm -hmm. 
I said we would be, I said we could meet at three. I didn't show up until 3.45. That's 45 minutes late that you've been waiting here by yourself. That must feel awful. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I love that you picked that example because that, as I said earlier on, that's one thing that I will absolutely mm. apologize for because, you know, when we ask for somebody's time mm. and then we don't use that time well, then, you know, that's sending a signal of, and that's a, a, a signal that, that can affect the relationship, can affect what you're trying to build. It happens. It happens right. all the time. Right, we know this. Meetings run long, meetings run over, traffic hits you, whatever it is. Often, again, it's not your fault, but it's still an acknowledgement, a true acknowledgement of the impact that it has on the other person's time. I think it's important. It's, per, it's real change, too, right? Because you can't, the, the problem with, and this is another thing, you, I don't know if you meant this when you said, I don't let my team say I'm sorry. It's like one of the things that happens with I'm sorry is that because it diffuses. Yes, it's all about blame, but because it diffuses the accountability, actually. Mm. What happens is nobody actually looks at the behavior. So we just think like, you know, uh, sorry for being late. You know, won't happen again. Mm. But we don't actually like acknowledge what happened. And we don't really own it and the impact of it. And when we can own the impact of it, then I have to say like, you know, if I'm saying like the trust that we have with each other is important, like I won't, like that must have been awful and I won't do that again. What I liked about how you framed that too was you know, there was sincerity, obviously, and there was an acknowledgement of the impact, mm. right, that helped, you know, me in this case, but feel understood. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because most of the time mm. when we just get the sorry, it's like, we're, as we said before, you move past it. Yeah, boy, that's really, I, I want to dwell there for a moment because that's really where, when I, again, when I see sorry being used, when I see, and I'll just keep using that example of a project, deliverable, being late, whatever, oh, I'm sorry. There's no real acknowledgement that I understand the impact <laughs> on totally. the stakeholders. Totally. Right? So if we say this deliverable, we said it's going to come out, you know, it's going to come out four weeks later than we expected. This product will launch four weeks later. Do I understand? Am I communicating that I understand the impact of that? Yeah. I understand that training will be delayed. I understand that we need to replan our communications. We might need to resync with others, right? Again, that actually takes us right to what are the uh, useful, what useful information or new information do we need to consider in our planning? And how do we make those decisions together? Well, we can't make those decisions together unless I feel like you understand exactly exactly how you let me down in that moment, right? And or these, how you may have like done something in that moment. Wow, and that is so powerful there. So this is, I think, this is what I, how I wanted to, and why I wanted to talk about this topic is reframing these things. Yeah. From moments of blame and distrust and like, you know, or, or insincerity like right. that. Oh, I'm sorry I'm interrupting you. Right. Even to positive opportunities to actually, I you know, this, we didn't have enough data to make, you know, uh, we didn't have enough data when we made this plan or something new came up. We found new information, so we have to change our plan. Now, I can build on that and say, I understand the implications, or even 
I'm not sure that I understand the implications. Can This is a moment where you can help me. Yeah. What will the implications be? It, it's interesting because you're, 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 you're right. Like we need to build on this. We need to figure out what went wrong or what changed and how do we talk about it or how we figure out in the mm. future. The, the challenge is we have to make sure that we don't apologize. We don't make this accountability, right? This, this like, hey, you asked me when would this project be due yesterday. I told you we were on time, right? Right. Today I'm telling you we're actually four weeks late, right? Right. And like that must be awful because I, when I told you yesterday, I hadn't actually looked at where the project was or whatever the thing was. Yeah. And that's like, and like I, but it's like very hard not to slide into excuses. Mm. Well, we didn't realize that finance had changed the way they were doing their thing, or we didn't realize that you know th there had been changes made along the way to the yeah, or we the had scope. A, a contractor leave or yeah, yeah. you know access. Who knows? It could be a million reasons. We've all done projects before. We all know that things happen, right? And then to your point, this is an opportunity for okay, what did we learn mm -hmm. from that? What are the implications that we need to address? Uh, what you know, what next steps would you like us to take right. to gain confidence? All of those things, all of those areas you could take this are constructive. And and you're good at this. Like when 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 upper management, when your peers and those above you are asking, like, why didn't something happen the mm. way we expected? Why did this thing break? Right? You you tend to own the like responsibility for that thing is supposed to do a certain thing. That thing, I'm, I'm being really vague. I don't know what it is, but like, <laughs> that, you know, that thing's not supposed to break. Yo, right? I can come up with a million examples of things. And, you know, and again, those are, those are, those are really great opportunities to, um, let's, let's just use this example. So, you know, I have operational responsibility as an IT leader, you know, systems have to work and right. things like that. And I actually talked to my team. I actually, there's another phrase I use all the time. I say, don't, we never, we never apologize for doing our job, right? That's right. one thing I say. Right. The other thing I say though is never waste a crisis. Mm -hmm. And when things go wrong, and I'm glad you, I'm glad we got to this point. I wanted, definitely wanted to talk about this. When things go wrong, there's always learning opportunities. There's always something we can learn. There's an opportunity to, because a lot of what I do, a lot of what the team does, and a lot of organizations. And it, honestly, this is this is spoken from a point of view of running an IT organization, but it could be running an operations team, it could be running marketing, it could be running supply chain. Mm -hmm. A lot of what we do, we're not thanked for, right? People just expect it to work, right? <laughs> we expect boxes to go out, we expect the system to let me log in, right. we expect the phones to ring, right? No one's calling you up saying, no one's hey, the internet up work today? I know, so Ooh, good job. Um, what so, actually happened? And sometimes that means when we want to make an improvement like to a supply chain system, there may not be a sense of urgency in the organization to prioritize that. Mm. And so when things go wrong, you have an opportunity. There's a flashlight now. There's a spotlight on that thing that went wrong. And that's an opportunity you can educate others. You can talk about what, what the underpinnings are, what the next steps are, what the opportunities are, and say... Or even, should we just tolerate that? You know, occasionally, you can't log into your bank's website, right? They're doing proactive maintenance or it broke. The other day, I came down here. The last time I was here, I went to go park. Yeah. And I was going to pay for parking on an app. 
and the app wouldn't work, right? Yeah. Stuff happens. In that moment, whatever the company that runs that app, right, they didn't, um, I'm sure there was an internal conversation going on about the fact that the app was down, Yeah. right? And hopefully they used that conversation to say, why did it go down? Uh, do we want to do something to prevent that from happening in the future? Or is it okay that it happens every now and then? Yeah. Right. And you can have a very objective conversation in those moments around. And that's why never waste a crisis is always that opportunity to to learn and have the conversation. And again, do it without saying, "Well, I'm sorry we had a crisis." No, the crisis happened. So this is this this requires pretty profound self reflection, right? Mm-hmm. Like your team has to be willing in that crisis to reflect. On how we got here. Absolutely. Without pointing fingers, without blaming, without feeling like a victim, right? They have to be willing to reflect. Yes. Oh, you said that word. Without feeling like a victim. Yeah. And I guess that's where really, you know, I I didn't start out framing this way, but that's sort of where, that's the language I want to get away from is this victim language. And especially if you're saying, I'm sorry. That's why it steals your authority too, right? Yeah. Because it's like, it's like, oh, it's like um, uh, Eeyore. Mm. Uh, 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 there it goes again. Yes. yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a mistake. Yeah. There's this. There's a Japanese uh, ex, um, word, a phrase, or I guess it's just a word called hansei, and it means self-reflection. And I'm just going to read you something. This is from Mari Fujimoto. Mm. Uh, from you know, she wrote about sort of these various like Japanese expressions that mean things that like are kind of misconstrued sometimes. So hansei means self-reflection. It has been misconstrued as something negative and reproachful. Contemplating what went wrong and ensuring you don't make the same mistake again. The emphasis of Hansei, however, is not blame, but progress. Mm. Right? Not blame, but progress. You should not reprimand yourself, but search for your next step. Hansei is a process of becoming more self-aware, of knowing you have the power to improve yourself and can create positivity from past experience. This is what you're talking about, right, Ken? Oh, yeah. You know, and it's, it's, I love that so much. It's so powerful because there's, you and I had this conversation recently. I talked about regret. Right. And I said, you know, regret is not bad. Right. Regret gets a bad rap. Regret, and there's some work out there, some, some, good, some good work out there these days Dan on, on Dan Pink's new book, a yeah. uh, recent book, um, on regret. And he talks about wanting to reclaim that word. Mm. Because if you say, you know, no regrets, I have no regrets, then that means you're not reflecting. There's no reflection. Or you're not doing anything. Yeah, or you believe that you did everything perfectly. Right. right? Which so is, there's no learning. Yeah, right. And so this is, you know, just as I want to avoid... You know, I'm sorry for making a mistake, right? No, you made a mistake with the best information you had. This is, I mean, that's another interesting aspect of this. Maybe I should circle back to, which is, you know, this all assumes good intent, right? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, this, this is an important piece, right? When, when the person interrupts the meeting and says, I'm sorry for interrupting, you're actually not sorry. Right. Like, you had the, in- you walked across the hallway, with, saw me in a meeting, and you had the intention of interrupting. Mm. So apologies is not actually, that that's... That's that's actually not you can't apologize for something that you're currently doing. Right. You can say, I recognize I'm interrupting your meeting and that's rude. 
However, I have a really important message to send you that I think you might want to hear now. Right. Right? Which is a, a much better way. But it's a lot to say. It is a lot to say. It is a lot to we're, say. We're shortcutting with that. I'm sorry. But this, right? back to this regret and reflection, never waste a crisis, these moments of learning and being brave enough. Hanse, right? Hanse. Brave, I learned a new word today. Brave enough to have that conversation. This is, again, why, you know, I, I really, I, I will stop people in my team for, I'm sorry, I have bad news. I'm like, no, you're, I need the news. Like whatever the news uh, is. Well, that's actually, that's really, that's another framing, right? Yes. I'm sorry I have bad news. You said before, news is news. But, like, it's more than that. It's data, mm. right? Yes. It, I have bad news. If I'm apologizing, what is that implying about you? If I'm apologizing for giving you data, what is that apologizing? What is that assuming that I think about how you're going to receive it? Yeah, that assumes that either I'm going to get upset uh, for receiving news, right. or that I don't know that 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 I don't welcome that you don't welcome it the that's news. Absolutely. That's what it, it, it assumes. Right. I don't welcome the news. Now it may not be my favorite thing to hear bad news, but I need to know. I need the data. Assuming, or and again, it's an opportunity. This for is me something to we're feedback. gonna we're gonna talk about later in one of the later episodes. But this idea of creating psychological safety, yes. right? We we need we need to believe that I can tell you something, mm. that I can tell you project is going to be delayed, that mistakes were, you know, some mistake was made, like something. The math was wrong. Math was wrong, know, like something. whatever. I, I need to believe I can tell you that and that you're not going to um, shoot the messenger, right? You're not mm. going to banish me for that. And the reason I started by saying, you know, I don't mm. apologize for those kinds of things mm. at work. Uh, at home, it's a little different sometimes, but, you know, for different reasons. Mm. But at work is because I want to send the message to my colleagues, to my team, mm. that I believe, I trust that you want data, the information, the, uh, the, the news in this right. case. I'm going to send the signal that I trust that we can do, have this hard conversation. So I think that the, the distinction we're making here is... A lot of times, to go back to what we said at the beginning, like there are a lot of times that we use this expression, I'm sorry. We don't actually mean I'm sorry, mm. right? We mean, please don't blame me. We mean, like, I hope that, you know, you'll forgive me now before while I'm doing the thing. Like, we, we're trying to, like, get away from some feeling or we're trying to, like, um, make ourselves, uh, I don't know, like, lower or, or, or like, kneel down and yeah. like, bow down. And, but that those things don't actually help us progress. They don't yeah. actually help us get better. Well, I started out by saying it's 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 never useful. Never, and, never useful. And but I, but account, being accountable. Being accountable is saying, absolutely useful. I did this thing. Yep. It must have been hard on you, right? I said, I told you this thing. I was said I was a hundred percent sure I was right, mm. right? You asked me to go back and look at it. And I told you I wouldn't. Then it turned out I was wrong. Right? I was arrogant. Mm. I could say that. I was arrogant. I was... I was overconfident. Overconfident. Right? I was, uh, you know, I, I had assumed that I had the right answer. And I didn't. And that puts you in a bad situation. I'm sorry. That, I can say I'm sorry for that. I can say I'm sorry for that. I did this thing. I spilled tea on you, right? I did that thing. I was I was 
rushing. I was carrying too many things, and I spilled tea on you. Yeah, that one, that one, that's a, that's a sorry moment. Now, I was overconfident or had the wrong information or didn't carry the wine are not things I'd say I'm sorry for. Mm. Now, what I would say is what I've learned from that is I need to have a regular check-in on this, and I've established that. You know, going forward with these people. Before you do that, you need to you need to really be clear that that's not going to happen again. Right. That's the thing is I – so I'm going to walk through that scenario. So I told you yesterday that this project was going to be delivered on time. Mm. You asked me what my confidence was in that plan. And I said high confident, 100% confident, whatever. You know, I have since checked and found that I was wrong. Mm. Here's what I learned from that. I understand that the four-week delay is going to have an impact on your team, mm-hmm. on what your expectations were. Let's sit down and talk about how do we mitigate that, or how can I help, or are there things that we can do to create trade-offs. Mm. All of that is constructive. Now, never in there did I say, I'm sorry for being overconfident. I said, I understand the implications. I've said I've corrected it, or I've done this mm. through this. because it's. What, what do you say if someone says, how can I trust you again? That's a really great question, and I think that I want to, I want people to listen to that question. How can I trust you again? Not that you didn't ask me, can I trust you again? Mm-hmm. You said, how can I trust right. you again? That's right. And that's an opportunity to create, okay, well, let me tell you how we're going to create confidence in this. We're mm-hmm. going to restore confidence in this. We've taken these steps, A, B, and C. I've gathered the team. We're having daily stand-ups now we, where we had them every other day before, I, whatever they were. These are the steps we've taken to restore trust in the plan. Mm. And that's a really, the way you framed that was, how can I trust you again? Is somebody asking, tell me the methods, the steps, and then, the things and then, you're going to do. And then hold, like. And then hold me accountable. Like, hold me accountable to that. Like, you, you, you have the right to now tell me when I'm. Right. If I'm saying, oh, no, it'd be fine. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Don't worry about it. And then it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, those are red flags. Right. If you're hearing somebody say, yeah, don't worry about it. If you're hearing somebody, you know, kind of brush over the steps, the learnings from um, those issues, which is, again, takes me back to never waste a crisis. There's mm. always opportunities to build confidence coming out of a crisis, mm. a failure, a system failure, a process failure. There's an opportunity to improve and or accept. Because, again, there are things where, I mean, if for those listeners that are in, you know, the technical field and IT or operations, et cetera, you know Murphy is will strike right. at some point. And you say, you know, right. I'm okay with an hour that's of downtime. That's actually, that's, that's a good place to kind of, like, zero in on. Mm. There's a, um, we talked about this a while ago. There's, like, a thing that, Sometimes we forget in the technical world, what I notice with my clients, is they think it's their job to be perfect. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right? So what happens... To, Wait, to are go you back, implying I'm not perfect? Yeah. So what <laughs> happens, going back to the blame thing, is that you hear, I mean, you hear this in the engineering world a lot. Like, the, the problem is with the user. Right? <laughs> the user is not using I may have said that. Right? And, like, and, the, and the thing about it is, is that they're not necessarily wrong. Right, but the whole point about user-friendly design mm, mm, mm. is that you're trying to like eliminate, you're trying to take the training away and trying yeah. to eliminate that so that, like the user can intuitively understand how to use it. Yeah, because the more that that's true, the easier it is for the interaction to happen. Yeah, the more friction, right? Right, but it's really hard 
to like to hear that something's not going to be perfect. That something's not a hundred percent. Like we talked about that with the bridge. I don't know if I told you this, but the bridge uh, ran into an engineer who's designing a bridge, and it's a composite design, mm, so it's like mm. a kind of plasticky kind mm. of design. And I said, "How long will that bridge last?" I mean, these are bridges that are supposed to like you know like road bridges, right? How long is that bridge supposed to last? And he said, hundred years." I was like, uh, you know, okay, but like, <laughs> really, how long should that bridge last? Like, like, really? And he's like, well, we've tested it and all these different, it was like very engineer and, yeah, it yeah. Was, and he was being sincere, but I was thinking about that, like, that's a lot of pressure mm. to put on the bridge and to put on the relationship between you and the person you're selling the yeah. bridge to, whereas like, here's what we know. Mm. Right. Here's what we know. This this actually, if you're if you're somebody who works in this world, and you have that perfection attitude, what you end up doing is you end up setting yourself up in an arrogant way. Yeah. Right. Where you are going to eventually probably have to apologize. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you said this would never happen, and you swore on your life that this would never happen, and then guess what? Murphy's law. Right. Right. Murphy's law. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many unpredictable factors in any kind of technical design, et cetera. And actually, I mean, this kind of goes back. We talked about guiding principles before. Mm. Here's another one that actually helps us avoid getting into situations where we have to say, I'm sorry. One of our guiding principles is designing for failure. Yeah. Process, systems, organization, knowing something will, and talk about it out loud. What's going to happen when that breaks? I'm not going to start by I saying I'm sorry. That. I love that conversation. And I'm like, I'm not going to start by saying I'm sorry because that's, again, not the, the useful thing. What are we going to do when this thing doesn't work the way we expect it to? Right. How often do we expect that to be a possibility? Right. Just the whole designing for failure in our – this is a very – you know, we have a very technical context for that with software and technology, et cetera. But, as again, process failure, customer failure. Yeah. You know, where they can't order, they can't, they don't get their shipment on yeah. time, they can't get visibility of their invoice. Yeah. What do we do when things break? And having that conversation up front as you're designing or starting that conversation today with your organization gets you out of the victim mindset. Yes, that's, I love that. And in the victim mindset, the victim mindset and the arrogance piece, the perfection piece, mm. they're, they're really back to back. They're they really are. like two sides of the same coin. And like yeah. trying to get us clarity around this idea of what can what can we proactively do by this guiding principles and now we'll just finish on this one story like i i when i ran a theater company for a while when i would I'd get everybody together and we talk about the design in like all the different pieces that had to come together for the play i would make everybody go in the room and i would say tell me what's going to go wrong mm. tell me right. what's going to go wrong yeah. and tell me what we can't what we can't live without right and what was fascinating nobody wanted to do it really nobody wanted to do it they didn't want to do it because they because they want to say everything's going to go perfectly right well we know that's not true we know that's not true <laughs> because we work in an imperfect world we work with yes, imperfect humans totally and we are imperfect humans ourselves and and to get to your point going all the way back to the beginning i don't at that point i don't want to hear i'm sorry yeah i want to hear what are you going to do about it Exactly. Right? I don't want to hear, I'm sorry the thing didn't do the thing I said it would do and we're not going to be able to have that thing. It's like, no, I don't. Mm. It's too late now. Too late. Not, <laughs> use, not useful. What not are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? I don't want any victims. I don't want any like 
self-abasement. I just need to know. And, and and I gotta say, like, you know, I have people ask me, I don't know, various points, you know, what's what's the path into the C suite? What's the path to <laughs> the executive team? Right. And I tell you, your CEO doesn't want to hear I'm sorry. Yeah. They want to hear what are we gonna do about it. So to to really sum this up, so mm-hmm. if you're creating a culture and you're thinking about whether you're creating a culture for your team or you're thinking about your own development, right? We're not saying don't be accountable. Be accountable. Matter of fact, you're not going to reach the C-suite unless you are accountable. Right. However, this isn't about victim status. This isn't about trying to shift the blame, trying to like get ahead of the blame, trying to manage people's emotions by apologizing and thinking that that's going to make everything okay. Right? You got to right. know that you're not apologizing. I'm not saying sorry for a thing that just, I'm not saying sorry for the thing that just happened to happen, right? If a right. cup falls down and it makes a noise, uh, sorry, yeah. that just fell. Like it's not anyone's fault. Well, and there will be times where you will, I will make mistakes. Yes. And again, what do you do with that? Yeah. Right? The mistake happened already. Yeah. It's, it, didn't just, just, it didn't just happen. Like I actually actively made a mistake. I had bad information or whatever. Yeah. It's already happened. But to your point is, okay, what are we going to do about it? That's the place to go. And then back to our never waste a crisis conversation. What are we learning from this? How do we improve? Yeah. And that just, it it's such a subtle, such a subtle shift. It's so forward thinking. But it is so foundational to creating a, a, a learning organization that wants to grow, that recognizes imperfection, plans accordingly, yeah. and ensures kind of just that positive momentum forward. It's, it's just, it's such a shift. It shifts away from blame yeah. and it shifts to proactive opportunities, you know, this is how you build. This this is something, this is a good conversation for me. This is something I struggle with and it's something I, I need to keep working on. And I have a, um, a funny card that I got in the mail one time and it's a card that says nobody cares. And like, <laughs> there's a thing that like, when, when you apologize for something like that, when you apologize for something that's not actually, like you didn't actually do anything, it's just a mistake, it just happened. Like not only are you playing the victim, not only are you making the other person feel responsible for your feelings, like mm-hmm. the Kim Johnstone example, but you're also like, nobody cares. Right. Like, what are you going to do about it? Yes, that's what I care about. Forward? Can we just move forward? Can we just use this opportunity? Well, I am sorry for one thing. Yeah. Which is we're at the end of our session. We're at the end of our session. <laughs> we got to wrap up. Thank you, everybody, for uh, hanging out with us for another session. Next week, what do we got, Ken? This, this is going to be great. It's going to build on this conversation we had today, which is talking about self-doubt oh, and how yeah. corrosive self-doubt can be as a leader and, you know, as, as part of the organization. It really builds on today's conversation. I yeah, think. yeah. Self-doubt is, I, I think of it, I'll talk about it then, but I think about it like a, a kind of an acid Right. It depends on what you apply it to. Like it, it can, it can be helpful in some instances. It can be. Yes. Right? I was going to make the point. We'll we'll dig into that more. It's kind of what what is actually help. not self doubt. 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 Yes. We'll talk about that more next time. Thank doubt you. Yourself. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for being with me, Ken. As always, I really enjoy you and I enjoy your presence in the conversation. Thank, Thank you. you, Seth. It was a great conversation today, and I look forward to our next episode. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening.